alive, we're alive. Back in action, back in action, back in that bread of life. Eat that bread of life. Corpus Christi was just uh, it was past Sunday yesterday yeah. oh yeah that was yesterday yeah. <laughs> I know everything blends in especially uh, with stay at home yeah um, Corpus Christi so wow. Uh, wow. welcome back to Los Nazarenos this welcome is... <laughs> back everybody thanks for joining us one more episode yeah yeah number <laughs> 14. 14 you're in the yeah. midst of season two and wow. go wow. shouting out to our five fans we love that's you guys. right can't stop won't stop what's <laughs> happening <laughs> all right verify so, his instagram we're, right. we're ready <laughs> we've got 54 followers <laughs> what else how much how much more do you need jesus only had 12 <laughs> what, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> dropping facts <laughs> all right so um so today we're gonna be looking at maybe, maybe some maybe a topic that'll uh that'll weed out the pure uh, <laughs> that is true. This is a, you're right. I didn't think about that. <laughs> we are definitely gonna weed out a lot of people today. Yeah, yeah. So if if uh, you're listening and you, uh, you and you don't like what we're saying, uh, then you can uh, you can add us, and I won't, and we won't respond, and um, yeah. <laughs> we'll turn the other cheek. And yeah, we will yeah. always. But we're gonna also- be. Yeah, we're going to be slanging the truth of the gospel. And you know what? Yeah. The gospel don't make people feel good. That's right. Yep, you're right. Sometimes it's a little hard to hear some stuff because it's not what we're used to, but that's okay. You know, I know that that happens to me all the time when my mom tells me my truths, my errors, and I'm just like, well, I am a master theologian. <laughs> She's like, well, you're doing it wrong. I was like, all right, then. That's why we what our disclaimer from or we said this shortly last time but maybe yeah. our disclaimer can be uh you can critique us if you have a phd in theology but there you go but if you ain't, yeah it, or <laughs> i mean if we'll, we'll we'll bring it down a bit if you've been to seminary yeah. but wow but it, but if you ain't been to seminary Preach. Uh, don't add us. <laughs> don't add us. <laughs> just gotta but be, tell your friends. <laughs> dude, it, it is rampant out there. Like, yeah, uh, out in that in that 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 Catholic Twitterverse. Ooh, people, man, it is. Yeah, it, there there's a thing called the magisterium and uh, author the like hierarchy and authority of the church. Mm-hmm. So if if you be rejecting the magisterium of Holy <laughs> Mother Catholic Church, Mm-mm. then Don't do it. Then you are gambling with excommunicating yourself. Ooh, yeah, that's I'm, true. I'm I mean, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> These are facts with three Z's. <laughs> yeah, so obedience, obedience <laughs> to the church, never yeah. to us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and we'll, yeah. we'll try to be as obedient as we can be. Most definitely. Yeah. 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 We like to keep it in the straight and narrow, follow his path, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to, you're, you're the expert today. Wow. 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 We're oh, and go can I call back. you, I, I thought of a new nickname for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. What is it? Promo. Promo. Okay. Professor Molina. Ooh, I like that. (laughs) Promo. (laughs) I was like pro bono, but better. (laughs) So So, yeah, we'll hand it over to you, Promo. Sweet, sweet. Thank you, man. I appreciate that, man. Uh, So today we're going to be talking about uh, liberation theology. Um, And so liberation theology ends up being a branch of theology that focuses primarily on um, the other, right, which is important. And it, it, it comes out of the Second Vatican Council. So the Second Vatican Council, as many of us know, happened in 1962 to 65, and it changed the way we did things like a lot, right? A lot of great change came out of it. And so liberation theology was one of those changes, and it was how the Latin American community was going to implement these changes, right? How are they were going to implement 
the changes of the Second Vatican Council. And so one of the great influencers of this change of this um, theology, he's, al- he's also known as the father of the liberation theology, is actually Gustavo Gutierrez. Gustavo so, Gustavo Gutierrez. Eh, eh, Thank eh, you, sir. Yes, yeah, still kicking, <laughs> still up. We verified that through Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, Did he die? <laughs> yeah, we had like a, a like, five-minute conversation about how we thought he died last week. So we're happy he's still alive, still slinging that truth. I think if I if if my research like is right, I think he teaches at Notre Dame. Right, but that could be like outdated information. But last time I heard, that's where he was at. Uh, so my boy Gustavo Gutierrez, uh, born 1928 in Lima, Peru. And so he's alive actually before like a huge depression hits in Peru. And so I think this is one of the reasons that, you know, his focus on the poor is so important because he saw what life was like before uh, this Great Depression and then what life was like after it. And so like this probably ends up being one of the many sure factors that like uh, sways them into liberation theology. Uh, he is a Dominican priest, and um, his big, uh, you know, the the book that put him on the map uh, within liberation theology, within uh, um, just like theology in general, is uh, a book by the title of A Theology of Liberation. This is where he, yeah. Yeah, yeah. let's full stop. Dominican priest. Yeah. Now, now, for you guys who don't know, Dominicans are typically like the most stringent and like orthodox order Mm. like Mm -hmm. this is the saint thomas aquinas was a dominican Mm. like that's right (laughs) so like when uh, when you're a dominican or if you're being accepted by the dominicans or like Mm -hmm. you're publishing stuff as a dominican like right they're strict like they're they're not all they're not lovey-dovey like us like the franciscans franciscan brothers the yeah, franciscan-ish yeah franciscan-ish that's right you'll find it on our website <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah that's i mean that's a great point actually i didn't even think about that man like the fact that we have an individual that comes from a very like you know like orthodox uh brotherhood and he's out there talking about you know liberation liberating right and so his 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 focus is again the poor, and so his theology, the way the way that he defines it is is not his theology, but the way that he defines liberation theology is that it's a theology that speaks not only to but from the perspective of you know preferring the option for the poor, right? And so it's it's this notion that you know like how do we tell a person who is poor? that God loves them, right? Because at times it might seem, right, that, you know, there's this negation of love. And so he find it he found it very difficult to answer this question. Like, how do I tell a person who is poor next to me, hey, you know what, God loves you, when in, in their mind it might be like, well, my basic needs aren't even being met. Like, how is there love here, right? And so that's yeah. that's difficult. Like, that's hard to answer, right? And when, when asked by different scholars and different people whenever he'd go out and do talks it's like why do you pursue the poor now what do you <laughs> what, 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 what do you, you want to tell him what he said justin <laughs> oh i mean i i'm pretty confused by this i mean why why would god <laughs> even care about the poor it's not like they're they're flashy i mean we did our last episode we were reading about rims that's so, oh that's so, right so that's so true <laughs> but but i i i kid i kid uh, yeah. i i think it has something to do with this not very well known first century jew from a backwater town <laughs> called nazareth nazareth and, what and, <laughs> what's his, uh, his name yeah with like a <laughs> A mother who conceived a child out of wedlock. Like... Uh, now you're telling stories now. These are myths, <laughs> fables. <laughs> I mean, does it have something to do with a guy like that? It, it does. It really does. Yeah. It, it's, 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 I want to say his purpose, why, you know, like, yeah, that's exactly it. So uh, that's right. He His answer is, was always because God, right, cares about the poor. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, in, like, how... How simple, but like how how yeah. true though. You know what I'm saying? It's like, 
why do I pursue the poor? Because God cares about the poor. Like what, what do you, yeah. what kind of question is that? Like, you know, like the whole thing about like, you know, the, the, the gospels tell that, right? It's like, yeah. you, you read this narrative of Jesus and how he like preaches to the poor, how he like talks to the poor. And like, it's just, it's of course, like that's, that's the main reason. And you see that a lot in like liberation theology that focuses on Christology Right. It talks about like not necessarily just, you know, what God said, but it's what how he acted. He preached to the poor. Right. He denounced injustice and oppression. He placed everything he had in the service uh, to approach this kingdom. So he's like, just serve one another and we're, we're going in the right steps. Right. And so like, yeah, like that's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's why he kept on pursuing and uh, the poor, like, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, maybe we can, I mean, I just want to harp on a couple of, like, things from Scripture just to back yeah, that up. Because that's what, sure. I mean, like, our our disclaimer at the beginning of this, like, if if you're reading the Bible and you don't see this, right. then you're, like, you're not reading the Bible or you're, right, right. Or you're closing your heart off to one of the most essential messages of the gospel. And like, mm. I hate to be so blunt about it, but this is right. like, this is, these are the words of Jesus. These are the words of Mary. Like these, right. these are the, like the God that you worship. And, or if you're not a follower, then the God that we worship, if you think us mm-hmm. Christians are whack assholes, right, then, like, right. <laughs> then yeah. like, it's only because you've encountered Christians that actually don't know what their own scriptures mean. Right. But it's right. like, I mean, Mary in, in her canticle, like the Lord has looked upon my lowliness, mm-hmm. like, the vessel, the vessel that is used right to bring the incarnate word into the world is this little poor girl. Right. And, and then like Luke chapter four, when Jesus Mm. starts the ministry, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me um, because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor, glad tidings to the Mm. poor. That's right. (laughs) That's right. <laughs> he sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed mm. go free, to let the exactly. oppressed go free. That's right. And to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. And then just yeah. the last thing I'm going to harp on from Jesus. Yeah. I mean, sure. we'll be harping on Jesus the whole time. The but, whole time. But Matthew 25. 25. Oh, yes. What yes. you have done, go go and read it. I'm not going to say the whole thing, but what you have done for the least of these, you have done for me. So mm-hmm. when you see the poor, when you see the oppressed, when you see the captive, when you see the disabled, like you are seeing Christ. Right. That, that is how stark he puts it. And it's actually like one of the most black and white things in <laughs> that Jesus says right is in Matthew 25 is like if you are serving this people you're with me you're going to heaven if you're not you're not with me so. right yeah man that's so true and I mean just like referencing back to our like our our um our last episode right we were talking about like the Old Testament the New Testament and all this stuff I mean like, like, and you're just like, well, I'm more of an Old Testament person. I don't really like the new lovey-dovey stuff, even mm-hmm. though listen to our last episode if you still have that mindset, right? But it's this notion that we have a whole book, right, in the Old Testament that talks about liberating people. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the book of Exodus. It's literally about setting people free. Like, you know, it's like this <laughs> notion. Like, so for people that think, like, liberation theology isn't in Scripture, it's not about... We have a whole book in the Old Testament that talks about liberating people. Yeah. Like, they were being oppressed, right? And Jesus, like, sends... Like, and God sends Moses, and it's like, free my people, right? Yeah. Like, go free them. And so it's like this notion that liberation theology isn't in Scripture. It's not necessarily... It's, it's sometimes 
not not fully understood, right? And so it's it's just interesting, right? And um, uh, 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 now that we're kind of like on that track of clarifying some stuff, there's there are like different points of views for liberation theology, right? There's some uh, ideas out there that, you know, liberation theology is seen as um, like Marxist or as a way to bring in like different, like a dying communism, which was very popular when liberation theology was just starting off, right? And so, you know, to try to contain liberation theology to like one stream or one avenue, it's not, that's not true because if you look at liberation theology, it breaks into different branches. Mm-hmm. And so of there, yeah, there was like a portion of individuals that wanted, you know, to take a Marxist approach to it and their point of view to implement social justice, like through violence didn't yield any results. It, it only created like civil wars and turmoil. Mm-hmm. And I think like, sometimes when looking at this, this is like, this takes, this gives us a glimpse of what happens. If we don't follow the path of God. You yeah. know, it's like when it's like, you want to take something that's like religious or that has to do with Christ and like add a human component to it because you want to benefit from it. Like that will yield no fruit. And like, that's one example of it, you know? And so, yeah. yeah. And I think it's, I mean, if, maybe you can correct me if I don't have this right, but from what I recall, like, um, if it were, if it was Gutierrez, like when he was working on like the book, mm-hmm. he had to get it approved. And right. like, they kept on like the Holy See or whomever kept on mm-hmm. like asking him to refine it. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, definitely. Like it wasn't, and- it wasn't like, yeah, I don't know. He he listened to Holy Mother Church. <laughs> right. It wasn't just like, well, this is like my point of view and I'm going to publish it whether you like it or not. And then this is going to be like my manifesto and stuff. It's like, no, like he understood, right, that uh, th- some changes needed to be made by it and took that criticism and, you know, found a way around it. Yeah. Right. By by providing that that obedience, like we mentioned earlier. Right. Mm-hmm. Like. Right. And so. So yeah, but um, I guess I mean like it's it, what's interesting about liberation theology is that it's 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 something that that when looked at can can be used as a way to kind of like bring love and compassion in such a huge turmoiled area and stuff. And so like the way that 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 Gustavo like proposes this is through a just society and. Um, this just society he explains is, is, is finding a way to be able to allow all countries to be in, in a state of unison, right. Helping one another out. And it's not through violence, right. And it's not through, um, you know, finding benefit in one way and then not necessarily allowing other people to benefit from it as well. Right. So he did, you know, Gutierrez did, did see that there was a structural problem with, with the society that we have now. Right. And so, he, he mentions a solution through um, an analysis of the situation of what's going on on different, you know, social levels, whether it be, you know, what's going on in a nation, what's going on in a city, what's going on, uh, what's going on in an actual neighborhood. And so once you've analyzed what's going on in that situation, you reflect on it theologically, right? And so then that was step two. It's like, find first find out what the issue is what's wrong with the with, with the community or wh- whatever social level you're looking at how can we reflect on it theologically and then how can we draw pastoral conclusions from it right mm-hmm. how can we help them pastorally and so i think that that in it of itself is like a wonderful approach to liberation theology which at times gets overshadowed a lot by the violence that was brought forth because of it right but um, it was very clear after uh, the conference of Medellin that the approach for liberation theology was going to be this. Analyze the situation, reflect on it theologically, and then draw pastoral conclusions from it. I just think that's beautiful, man. Like, I was like, what? Like, yeah, of course. Like, that's <laughs> yeah, that makes awesome. sense. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> I feel like yeah. we get stuck in our, like, the way that things have always been done. And 
Like yeah. one of the things that um I think about is like the like in like we're in Southern California, we're right on the border, so like right. the past few years have been like really tumultuous with immigration. Yes. yes. And like a couple phrases come to mind is like for one is we tend to operate like from a standpoint of scarcity mm. like and i think that's i'll just be really blunt i think that's wrong it's that's garbage right. especially right. like in the united states like this is the most mm. prosperous country in the whole entire world right and right. so really our approach should come from a mentality of abundance and and then like feeding into that is like a lack of moral imagination mm. that like um. when you look at situations like it's like everybody just like falls back on the same things over and over again it's like why mm -hmm. can't we have a moral imagination that right. takes us to somewhere new and it's like eh. <laughs> Man, yeah. we're good. This has been working for two thousand years, man. Don't yeah. change it. It's like, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it might not be. <laughs> but yeah, so that's like, like, how can we approach things? Um, in our context, like you were saying, like mm -hmm. to look at the situation around us in our community, yeah, large right. or small. Mm -hmm. As Christians, we can look at it theologically. And, but I think as like everyday citizens, we can have mm -hmm. come at it from the perspective of abundance. Right. And come, wow, that's so true. Come at it from, because that's even like, I mean, I think that's a biblical principle too, from like, mm -hmm. like the, there's like laws in the law of Moses that the ancient Israelites, if they had crops, like, they mm -hmm. had to leave the outer portion of the crops for like the passerbys or the poor so that like they could, you know, it was called gleaning. They could go like this percent of your crops isn't for you. It is for the poor. It is for the stranger mm -hmm. in your land. And that's an idea of abundance. Wow. And, and then to have a greater moral imagination, just like, Oh well, that's not possible because we've never done it. It's like, well, why don't we try? <laughs> why don't we try? Right. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know, but yeah, that's that, my my two cents. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think like that in it, like just that example that you gave out is like such an amazing way of like looking at you know poverty. And poverty doesn't necessarily have to just mean like you're you're poor, right? Like mm -hmm. it's like um Gutierrez like defines like poverty in like three different ways like yes one would be like the lack of like wealth right lacking like wealth sure the other one is like but he defines it he defines poverty also as like not being able to you know have a decent human life right and then and then the very last way that he defines poverty is the way that you just explained it right now which is, you know, as a person, being committed to, to be in solidarity with the poor. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So this notion of like, hey, like, I like, yeah, let it, let, let's look at this through a, a lens of abundance, right? And help our neighbor out. Like, you know, and it, it can be like, we have poverty here also, you know? And so it's just like finding a way to help those around us. And I, I that's, yeah. I, I want to put a pause because there this this passage just came to mind and I have yeah, to find sure, it. Man. So I'll yeah, be right back. Course. <laughs> yeah.
here I am with like a thousand books. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I love it. No, man, that's great. All right. Okay. That's too current. Okay. I'm super excited to have one of your cats come in and meow. Oh, I hope it happens. he's asleep on the on the oh, chair man. over there. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the uh, so I don't know if this passage ties in perfectly, but I feel like mm -hmm. it does. It, uh, the spirit put it on my heart for a reason. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, and so if you're out there. And because we're talking about the poor, we're talking about the lowly. And mm -hmm. if that doesn't jive with your image of God, mm -hmm. um, here's something to maybe throw you off. If, if all the passages we just read about from Mary and Jesus <laughs> telling, <laughs> saying this, yeah. but like, and this is like, I don't know, when I think of God, like, my image of God is not the like, it's like, I've been lifting so much. I'm so strong. I'm the strongest. Yeah, yeah. Like my God can beat your God up. Like, right, right. So this, this is from second uh, Corinthians chapter 12. And like Paul, he's like vaguely talking about that, like that, um, that thorn in his side. Um, mm. And so, like, um, but yeah, so before this, um, is so like Paul is saying, therefore, that I might not become too elated, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, an angel of Satan to beat me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I begged the Lord about this, that it might leave me. So, this is the context of what God is saying to him, but so, like, Paul is like, man, this really sucks. Like, I, I don't, yeah. I don't like the situation that I'm in. Yeah. And so then, and he's praying, he's praying to God, like, hey, like, like, um, can this like leave me? Can I not have this going on? Yeah. Um, but then he says, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yes. For power is made perfect in weakness. So bring that to your, like what we were saying, our moral imagination, our yeah. operating from abundance. Like, do we, like, if you're out there and you're American and you're proud to be American, and, but you're also a Christian, you need to be putting, like, your faith first right. your faith needs right. to dictate my <laughs> for power is made perfect in weakness mm -hmm. this is god like this is what came to paul like mm. through his prayer from god mm -hmm. power is made perfect in weakness so when we think about ourselves as the strongest most powerful country it like it's nothing in the eyes of God. Right. Like, right. Let's show a little weakness. Let's show right. a little vulnerability. Yeah. Humility. Let's, let's right. use that abundance. Mm -hmm. Let's have a moral imagination to reach out to those most in need. Yes. Yes. Wow. That was beautiful. I love that. <laughs> that was great, man. Wow. I'm going to have to reflect on that for a little bit, man. I'm yeah. have to, after this, I'm just like, wow, power through weakness. And like, yeah, I mean, that's so true. Like, I just, I think about it. Like, there's like, think about how amazing we feel. And then you take a wrong step and you feel like you're going to fall. But then you catch yourself. How mm. vulnerable and like useless do you feel? No matter how much of everything you have, you know? And so that, wow, power comes, you know, through the weakness. Wow. That's beautiful. <laughs> Man, chills. Yeah, chills. Yeah. I know you can't see them right now through these sound waves, but just believe when I tell you I got chills when I was thinking about that. Wow. So do we want to look at some uh, those, yeah. those so, who applied? Um, 
applied yeah, the fruit those of it. who have applied you know so uh out of you know liberation theology right there it has bare fruit and we see it right um with um uh saint oscar romero and if you don't know him he's a wonderful guy you should check him out r.i.p uh but you know he was the salvadorian archbishop he was um he died right when he was killed right it wasn't that he had murdered murdered yeah (laughs) that's right um but he knew that uh, that violence was not the answer he so he was the the byproduct he was influenced by liberation theology by gutierrez by the conference of medellin in puebla right and so he finds a way to be able to incorporate that in his uh, in his realm, right in in, in uh, San Salvador, right, and coming a little bit closer to us, right, we have yet another individual by the name of Virgilio Lizondo, and so he takes this idea of liberation theology and he places it within the context of the Mexican American, right, and so uh, if you don't know uh, who Virgilio Lizondo is. Um, He's a Mexican-American, well, he was, he passed away, actually, a Mexican-American Catholic priest and theologian. And he's, again, known as the father of U.S. Latino uh, theology. And so he has a lot of great books. Uh, and he his, his books focus primarily on this internal struggle of, like, identity, of where one lands, uh, not being fully accepted and embraced in one notion and or in one country or the other. So uh, in his books, he writes about how he grew up uh, in a very uh, Mexican uh, neighborhood where like it embraced its culture and everything. Uh, But that um, in his words, this is what he says. He says that the biggest border crossing that he ever did wasn't necessarily uh, through countries, but through streets. He's like, when I crossed a street over, there was a completely different language, a different complete culture. Even church itself was different, right? And so, like this dual identity, like struggle, like in, like like engulfed him because he didn't know what to do. And he would go to church, um, it with his parents and listen to it in Spanish. He would hear how he was being too Protestant when he was going to his <laughs> English masses, right? And then he would go over to school. And then he would hear the, par- the, the 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 priest talk about how, like, you know, all the stuff that they do is superstitious and how it's watered down, like, Catholicism. And so it's just, Virgilio uh, Lizondo ends up being one of these other individuals who is a fruit of liberation theology. So, yeah. Um, one of the, one of the things that I, I'd like to talk about, I'd like to talk about, like, his, his two books, actually. Uh, one of them uh, is, um, let me pull it up, actually. Give me a second. We can edit this out, actually. <laughs> like, edit. <laughs> where that, where that edit button at? Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, whoa, whoa. Minute bad. marker 908. <laughs> yeah. Too bad he didn't. We... <laughs> if they got the video, too, they could see me running around in my pajamas to find my... <laughs> my uh... <laughs> Irenaeus, Irenaeus against the heresies, where that oh, yeah. <laughs> quote came from. I I uh, I watched the video today with uh, breaking the habit, and he was like Arianism, not to be confused with Arianism. And so it's like <laughs> <laughs> it was like uh, um, what's his name? I can't I I can't remember. I always forget his name. The guy with Arianism. Uh, uh, oh gosh. Something Arian, Arian, I guess. Yeah, yeah, Arian, right? His, yeah, uh, his name was Arian. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a picture of him. So it's like this old picture of like this guy with like a hat and stuff like that. It's like, and then the other one is like a skinhead with like swastika. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, oh my goodness. Oh man. So I know. What? So, um, so yeah. So uh, the the um, the two publications that we'll 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 briefly touch on because it's so much more than what we can fit in like a 45 minute Mm -hmm. episode right um the first one was published in 83 which is uh the galilean journey and then the second book was published the year that i was born 88 was good uh the future is mestizo and both of these books uh, uh, focus primarily on this notion of liberation 
of liberating oneself and finding right what uh, what Gutierrez focuses on, like finding that reason of why God loves you, right? Mm-hmm. Why God loves, right? And so, uh, in his in both of these books, he he gives his experience of like what it's about, and um, the first one ends up being more analytical, whereas like the second book. Uh, he talks about more of his personal experience. And this is where you get to see uh, what drove him to be this, you know, the the forefather of uh, a U.S. Latino theology. Uh, but um, one of the things that I really, really like about him is that uh, he, 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 his notion of like, yes, our struggles are real, right? Yes, what we've gone through are real. Right. And yes, we've been uh, oppressed, you know, a very a lot. And so his, when he talks about the 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 Mexican-American experience, he talks about two major oppressions first by the Spaniards. Right. And then again, by the Protestant movement. And so he talks about uh, not Protestant movement, but by by the U.S. Right. So U.S. Protestant mm-hmm. and how like he get how we we are oppressed yet again during that time when we lose all of like california nevada or like like all of these lands right and so he says that even though even though we have all these struggles and they're all real and they're all valid and they're all important right because they make us who we are that we need to choose the better part of both worlds to provide a bridge of understanding and i think that's just beautiful i'm like Mm. wow like yes right like yes (laughs) right exactly like just like why like this is so beautiful because it's like we look at how individuals are treated now and how individuals or how immigrants are treated even like you know when the irish were coming when the mm-hmm. german were coming, every, like they've experienced the same thing that we're experiencing now and so if we can just begin to understand <laughs> and you're coming bridge. back to your own land <laughs> right 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 exactly and we're coming back to the land, the that, land that you stole that we are, stole right? from you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Philip Polk, you know, President Polk decides to just take from us and yeah. stuff. And it's like, and and he's like, it happened. Be understanding, be a bridge so that you can break the cycle so that in whatever, you know, whatever group decides to come in, in vast amounts of numbers to the United States, they don't have to go through the same, like the same situation that you did, right? Mm-hmm. And so he says, you know, confront not only the powers of, of oppression, but also, uh, but also lead with joy, peace, and liberation. And I think that's just like, wow! Like wh- he hits it right on the mark. You know what I'm saying? For sure. For sure. So true. All right. Nice. So, what about a? Is this a good segue for for our boy? Uh... Ronald Reagan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it, man. Oh my goodness. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, where to even begin? So, yeah. So this like that, that Marxism suspicion of liberation theology. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, so uh, it's really sad that that it has that connotation, right? That liberation theology really does. Like when you, when you mention it in the conversations or with like individuals that don't necessarily like, uh, buy into this notion of liberation theology, the first thing that they're going to come at you is like, Oh yeah, that's Marxism. That's communism. Like there's no way that that's going to work. Look at what happened in Argentina and Nicaragua. Like, how is that going to be good? Why is that? That's not Christ-like. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's this notion that was implemented. It was it was a label that was given to liberation theology by President Ronald Reagan um, when he takes the office in 1981 as a way for him to declare, like you know, something against the United States. So he wanted to create a platform, and so he what he does is that he states that all of these movements that are happening uh, within the countries that are trying to implement like good reform through liberation theology are a threat to the United States. And it's like, nope, like there's no way that that's <laughs> yeah, going to happen. Because this tiny country. Right. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so it's like, oh, this, like you can't be doing this because then by changing these reforms or by redistributing land, by giving individuals like actual rights, by upping minimum wage on labor, like that's going to mess up 
the way of life in 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 my world in my in 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 my country and so we don't want that and so what happens is like he labels this you know this movement as a marxist movement and it's sad because it's during the is during his 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 term you know that a lot of these writings major writings of liberation theology are being published and so they're seen as Marxist propaganda, mm-hmm. as like ways for them to be able to push a, a specific agenda, which is not which is not true. You know, this this isn't what they, this was not the desire. And so we have, you know, individuals that are being overthrown by the government. We have different organizations of the United States going in to help other uh, other armies, right? And what's what's really sad is that. Not only is is it the repressive governments that aren't necessarily okay with liberation theology, but also we do find some opposition right within the actual church. The church itself is just like, yeah. oh no, like this <laughs> this is gonna work for us, man. Yeah, and I so I think I and I guess this is kind of it's not totally on topic, but it's it's right. more of this like maybe diagnosis of um catholicism in the united states mm. and yeah and it's alive and well to this day and i think it's a shame oh, i'm like fire and brimstone today yeah do it man <laughs> it, you, yeah it's a, some episodes have to be that way yeah yeah know? yeah that's okay we can't make everybody laugh all the time <laughs> it's it's a shame that like the not only the church, but Pope John Paul II, the gospel in general, have been co-opted by American politics, mm-hmm. not for the sake of the gospel message of Christ, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. for the sake of politics or for the sake of culture war or mm-hmm. whatever garbage that you want to yeah. put on it. And mm-hmm. like... I mean, one day I hope to be able to do enough legit research. So right now this is like, these are just like my observations. But you have, so like Ronald Reagan comes in and like, um, for better or for worse, he is like gung-ho on bringing down the Soviet Union, like communism. Mm -hmm. Communism has been the boogeyman since the end of World War II. And it's just like, okay, like I get that. And that's still like my mom will have a visceral reaction if you say communism because (laughs) they, that's just how everybody was indoctrinated. Their reality. And don't hear me wrong. I'm not like promoting communism. Right. By no means are we doing that. I'm just, I am just like, this is real observation here. (laughs) Yeah. And, so, but then John Paul II, he was also a huge opponent of communism. Yeah. But not for, I mean, political reasons. Right. Not to protect the United States and democracy <laughs> across the world. Right. But because he was oppressed by communists. Because right. he was in an underground church, and if he would have been caught, he would have been... <laughs> killed i had to resist from dropping an f-bomb there yeah yeah. (laughs) like this guy he knew what it was like to be oppressed Mm -hmm. i don't think ronald reagan in a day of his life knew what it was like to be oppressed right this man was governor he was president he was an actor i was it wasn't he like a movie star too yeah yeah cream of the crop this guy he Mm -hmm. had I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, but, true, man. But Carl Atiwa, John Paul II, was actually oppressed, running mm-hmm. for his life. Yes, sir. And me too. So they had different approaches to mm-hmm. why communism needed to end, right? And, or at least why like Soviet Union needed to fall. Mm. But this also gets tied up with our Blessed Mother with mm-hmm. our lady of fatima mm-hmm. and so it's like i feel like they're 
is this obsession with John Paul II and Fatima because of the Cold War. Mm. And we miss, we put on our blinders if right. we put our politics first or we put, I'm sorry to say it, if we put country first. No, God is first. Always. What is the revelation that has come from the church? And that's what comes first. And if it is something that says that makes you critique the situation of where you live, then so be it because God mm -hmm. comes first. That's right. And yeah, so now I'm just, I'm, I'm ranting all over the place and I've got to pull yeah. it back in to make, but so for all of those who are like, yeah, Pope John Paul II and Ronald Reagan were the best of friends. No, garbage. Full stop. You're wrong. Yeah. Because JP2 critiqued capitalism just as much as he did communism. That's true. He, or at least the way that unchecked capitalism and what it has done to, <laughs> like, and how it has oppressed people in just a different way. And right. so, like, I think that's when we come back to, like, liberation theology, this notion of, like, the common good, like, mm. and that's what the church promotes. The church promotes the common good. That's what, yeah. that is, like, what we're seeking to do. That's what the kingdom of heaven looks like, is that we are striving to take care of the least among us. Right. Which would which is taking care of Christ. So that's, that's my <laughs> rant. I'll get off. Yeah. No, I, now. <laughs> I, I think like what, like we, we want to like wrap this up or I don't know, yeah. we can keep on going a little bit more, but just, just like focused on like what you had just mentioned right now and stuff like that. At least Sondo talks about that as well. So he, he gives a response to an article that was written by uh, an, an individual of the name of C. Peter Wagner. And, and like on there, Wagner like is like not necessarily like bagging on the church, right? But it is bringing up like some like hard topics that don't necessarily like are like are hard to talk about. And so like one of the things that it talks about is um, one of the things that he, he he mentions is the way that within the cat the U.S. American Catholic Church we see success in a parish by the number of bodies in a pew, mm. right? And so Elizondo, Elizondo, Elizondo says, like, you know, it's like we 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 worry too much in, in U.S. American churches to to see uh, to to build our success on worldly science, such as like numbers and the size mm -hmm. and the budget and the physical building, and instead of like the quality of the body of Christ yeah. that is coming into existence. And so he says, he says, and this is like I really like this quote that he said. He's like. Um, it's like I have discovered that among uh, I have discovered in my time as a priest that the Latin Americans that is so far important to be church than to go to church. It seems that for the U.S. Americans, it is more important to go to church than to be church. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's like this notion is like yes, it is very. We're not saying don't go to church and just be church. No, like it's this idea that there's there has to be a balance of both. You know, it's like but we not only do we not we don't only go to church on Sundays too. To just say, okay, I'm going to check it off the list, right? Because we go out and then we are representatives of that word, right? And so I just think like that really focuses on like this notion of like of unchecked capitalism and all this other yeah, stuff, you know? Because it, it's like so many people have just turned church into another thing to consume, right? Another, right. and that's another like this is this is like another one of the downfalls of the American church is that. Mm -hmm there is rampant individualism right it's, oh yeah it's not a it's not a left problem it's not a right problem it's on both ends that yeah. is complete rampant individualism mm -hmm. uh, and like when what we started off the podcast with about ranting and raving about church authority like yeah. it in that i think you just you really got to ask yourself this question if if you if you've made it this far <laughs> yeah, in this right. episode yeah. that um are you an american who is catholic or are you a catholic who is american and if you're not mm -hmm. catholic are you 
an American who's Christian, Muslim, Jewish, mm-hmm. or does your faith come first? Like that. And when your faith right. comes first, it, it inevitably calls on you to look at the world through a different lens. Man. Amen. So, uh, we, man, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. we're going to we're going to go down we're going to we're at about like 6 or 5 followers. We're going to drop down to about 4 now. <laughs> Someone's leaving. <laughs> we're about to yeah. shoot up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Here guys. Come. <laughs> I think um we're we're nearing the end of our time for this episode. We've been this has just been straight fire clapping in your straight faces for today, for almost an hour. Um <laughs> thanks for sticking with us. Uh you got thanks. any last words promo? <laughs> no no last words man jesus loves you always keep yeah 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 that's 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 what it's all about the repent and believe in the gospel for the kingdom of heaven is at hand yep all right guys um make sure to um if you like what you're hearing uh rate and review the podcast on wherever you're getting it even if you don't like it like I mean, bad publicity is still publicity. So yeah. <laughs> give us a but, bad review. And <laughs> yeah. And then give, push it out to all your people. Yeah, so they yeah. Give, and then give us bad reviews. G- so. Give us <laughs> one star because you know what? True power is found in weakness, y'all. That's true. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, rate and review the podcast. Um, follow us on, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Nazarenos for Life. And hit up our website, nazarenosforlife.com. And we will catch y'all next time. Yeah. yeah. Bye. Adios. Nazarenos out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>